Welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to chat about point of view and the impact it will have on your story. But first, we have some pages to critique. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. Submission number one of two. Chapter one. Many will die, and many more, weighed down by wells of tears in their hearts, will wail to no end. The land will be gored, jagged by the throat. Its pleas will be muffled with blood from the sons and daughters of the soil curling in its mouth. There's nothing anyone can do about it. Laba laba to fe se bi eye afeku. The butterfly that wants to be a bird will die trying. Neither day nor night was firm as Arogangan pressed his way through the big jungle. Everything around him hurried. Above, small birds, with energy still for it, wove in and out of the canopy as others chattered with voices heavy and light in defiance of the day's end. Bats, on the other hand, started out in glee, releasing themselves from branches and making their first dips and chirps into the thick air. Lower down the stems, long-necked agama lizards swiveled their red and blue striped heads back and forth, and when satisfied, shimmied their way up and down. Petals and fronds folded in, readying again for the morning sun. A malu boar, consumed with its search for resting space, snorted and rooted through the jungle floor, fresh and decomposing twigs giving in under its heavy hooves. He never took a known path when he hunted, nor was he here for such a thing as a malu. A fresh shoot, misshapen at its breaking point, caught his eye, and he squatted down. Ears still on the jungle, he inspected it, as well as a jumble of roots to its side. Upon rising, the jungle beheld him once again, Arogangan, the Alafin, supreme ruler of the Benin Empire. The air stood at attention in his presence, clinging, wanting to know more. So my overall comments for this uh, was pretty much, why do we only ask for one page? Why do we keep doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I want more. I want it now. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I really loved the first line. Many will die. Perfect yep. place. Yeah, perfect line to start with. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? Um, the world building throughout the whole piece was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And I did like that we got some of the world in before we got into the char- main character's head. Um, my only suggestion is that we meet the main character earlier we don't meet him till the end of the first page and I think that's a little too late sure um as much as I love the world building and everything about this so I would where I would put it um would be right after the line about the the butterfly that wants to be a bird will die trying Mm -hmm. I think right there is a great place to introduce him who he is why he's important like we get at the end and then carry on um with with the page yeah so this is another one where if i picked it up in the bookstore <laughs> golem clutching it running to the checkout <laughs> i love that image yeah it was very immersive <laughs> and like i just love the world building so much mm-hmm. um i did have a couple of bumps that would just i feel like things that would smooth things out yeah. um just rearranging some sentences and stuff like that and yeah i don't really have any other comments aside from that <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm with you on pretty much all of that. Like 
I want more pages, so maybe we need to amend how many we ask for. I don't know. That can be a conversation for later, maybe next season. Um, but yeah, this one page only is kind of killing me. Um, for this one, I just really enjoyed the quiet kind of intensity of it because it starts mm. off like like you said, many will die. Well, okay, now I immediately am hooked because death, obviously, and pain. It's a good hook. A great hook. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I love that. Um, I also love the just the depth and richness of the descriptions. I think that's kind of what you were alluding to about the world mm-hmm. building. And then it's got this like mysterious, ominous vibe um, surrounding this character who we don't know much about. We don't really know anything about them until until the last couple of lines. Um, and I know that you didn't feel this as much as I did, but um, that 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 last couple of lines where we learn a little bit more about the character that is where my attention was really drawn in like the world building was beautiful um the scene is really pretty we're learning a lot about the situation around the character but i wasn't really hooked until i got to meet the character officially um so i think i agree with you very strongly that Aragongan's character, if we could get a bit more of him before all of the lovely descriptions, but after we've kind of settled into the first couple of paragraphs there. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I agree with you, getting settled into the scene, it's, it's setting the stage, it's setting the scene before you introduce some person can be really helpful. And I think they did a good job of that, but then got too settled into the scene um, before we actually got some detail about the character. And I was at the point where it's like, okay, this is pretty, but why do I care? And I needed that relatability mm-hmm. or empathetic connection with somebody to start really um, caring about the story. But other than that, I just, yeah, I was really invested in in the way things are described. Some of the wording, like you said, could be smoothed out, but the imagery is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the tone and the vibe and everything is, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, my voice feels really low right now. <laughs> And it's distracting me. I am sick, um, self-isolating at home. uh, But if I sound a little funny, that is why. Um, That's a detour. Loved this piece. I'm really curious about this character now that we've met him. I think, I believe, yeah, it's a he. Um, And then that last line, the air stood at attention in his presence, clinging, wanting to know more. Um, Yeah, that just, that just gut punched me. That was gorgeous. It's just, uh, (laughs) oh. There's a couple lines that were just so beautiful, like that one mm-hmm. especially, but I also loved the petals and fronds folded in, readying again for the yeah. morning sun. So that pretty. one was so nice so too. Pretty. Like, oh. And the beginning paragraph was like mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives a lot of character to the jungle itself. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read books where um, authors like to give these like human characteristics to buildings yeah. and different things. Like I read uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, I can't remember the author's name right now, um, but it's an old like gothic horror novel. And the author just, the way that they describe them, the house consistently throughout the book gives it this personality of its own, like mm-hmm. always describing the windows as these eyes or the door as a mouth um, and just giving it personifications. And this last line about the heiress, like standing at attention at this character's presence, it's like it gives the world around him a character almost mm-hmm. and brings it to life in a way that other descriptions wouldn't wouldn't do as good a job. So really yeah. love it. I'm love a sucker a for animals and, and nature as well. So mm-hmm. giving them characteristics like that and like I'm sold I'm in (laughs) (laughs) take my money
All right, and this is our second submission of the episode and final of the episode. You'll have to wait until next time for more. Six weeks earlier, Althea. The explosion made Althea's teeth rattle, a furious ringing forcing itself through her brain. The windows in the charred remains of the building behind her shattered with the blast. Bullets whizzed past, narrowly missing her head as she pulled Cassandra to the floor. Al, Cassandra said weakly, her eyes sliding down to the jagged shard of glass protruding from her waist. Cassie's face turned pale, her lashes fluttering as she threatened to faint. Trembling, Althea raised her hands over the wound, feeling her palms grow warm. Slowly, the glass pushed itself up and out of Cassie's torn jumpsuit, falling to the ground. The deep wound began to repair itself. I told you we shouldn't be so close, Althea muttered pausing for a moment as another flurry of shots flew overhead. She risked a, a glance over the rubble she and her sister hid behind. You're needed, Cassandra said, rubbing a hand over her newly, newly healed skin. There was no sign of the gaping wound. Through the smoke, Althea spotted Zelda first. Her sister had punched a hole through the armored breastplate of one of the armed men firing upon them. The blow sent the assailant sprawling to the floor. Zelda wrenching his helmet off to allow his head to glide with a large piece of rubble. Zelda paid no further attention to him, spinning to kick the gun out of another's hands with a stunning roundhouse. They'd received the call long after night had fallen, dragging six of the Buckley sisters from their beds to go and take on a group of guns for hire, waging war on a small European town hosting a peace summit. Their hope was to take out four prominent heads of state among the chaos and confusion. Collateral damage was something they were happy to allow. So my favorite thing about this piece is that we get dropped right into the action, which mm. if you listen to our first pages episode, you know, I harped on that like the entire episode. <laughs> so you know, it's very important to me. <laughs> so yeah, that was the biggest thing for me. I love that. Uh, I could have used a little more, maybe another short paragraph or another sentence, just to get more of a feel for Althea. I don't want to say it wrong. I think it's Althea. Um, because I get a little, we get more of her sisters than we do of her. So yeah. And then my only big bump uh, is that last paragraph. It doesn't fit with the action that comes before. And I think that's something that could be very easily weaved through the story uh, rather than given to us in like a single paragraph because it took me out, especially after such an action scene to kick things off. It It's a bit of a jarring transition. Mm -hmm. um, Zelda is badass. I would love <laughs> to be able to do a roundhouse kick. Like, <laughs> sorry, that's like my dream. Um, that is super badass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um in my comments you'll see if she's been a girl crush so <laughs> yeah um and as for that last that last paragraph um I do think that uh my suggestion would be um you know I'm assuming that they win the skirmish and they mm -hmm. kind of return to base to recuperate and that would be I think a good time to drop in this information without taking away from the action mm. or or weaving it in a little at the beginning we let us get to know Althea a little more there's there's a couple options um yeah. and getting feedback from a few different readers would probably be the best way to figure out if, if you've nailed that or not mm -hmm. but uh yeah this sounds like amazing I would also <laughs> run to the checkout with this one <laughs> yep another another take my money situation here yes um, yeah. but I, I do like we're saying about that final paragraph like I thought it was 
In terms of info dumping or too much information, I thought it was actually a pretty good balance. It's one quick mm-hmm. paragraph and it gives you a lot in a couple short sentences. So you're not yeah. at risk of, of losing the reader per se, but I do agree that I think it came too early in the mm-hmm. scene. And we want to see more of the fight and more of the action before that comes in. And if you need to get in any information, I would recommend small bits woven in through the dialogue or like oh, yeah. we see Zelda, we see that she's this kick-ass badass feminist adventure woman um we assume that althea and cassandra are like they're related to her in some way they're working together towards something um so that's a good indication that they're they're on a team um and that's pretty much all we need to know at that point like i don't need to know that there's this whole the buckley sisters organization or whatever it is i just know that these three women i think they're Mm -hmm. yeah three sisters we don't know if that's literal or metaphorical at this point, but it doesn't really matter. So, um, yeah, I do like that suggestion a lot. Um, also echoing that I love being dropped right into the action because that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's trend. That's where we're at. Um, <laughs> very much enjoyed that aspect of this piece. Lots of action. I've heard critiques about people dropping people into fight scenes off the bat. I've heard people say, like, that can be too much all at once to get you into a story. But mm. I think this was done really well. Um, and we got enough character right in the midst of it that it wasn't overwhelming. I think that's why it worked. Yeah. Um, so, bare minimum, this piece carries forward on um, sheer energy and willpower alone because it's like, okay, people are shooting things and roundhouse kicking things, and um, yep, I want to know all about that. More points for using the name Zelda because that immediately drew my attention from video game history. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about if you know what I'm talking about. Um, speaking of names, the I didn't actually bump on it till you were reading. Okay. Uh, the Buckley sisters, like Buckley is is that like cough and cold medication and like it it just for a second I was like oh I wonder maybe even just spelling it differently oh interesting but that was the the word association that I Mm -hmm. went to was the the interesting and then maybe that won't be everybody that could just be um because I grew up with my mom and she's like you're gonna take Buckley's I was like no That's hilarious. Uh, yeah. I, I've noticed this sometimes when I when I'm reading people's work. Um, if they use like the name of like another super super popular character mm-hmm. or something, sometimes it's hard to. I mean, it's just a name, but sometimes it's it's hard to uh, to get your brain to stop making that connection. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This one, I mean, Zelda. For those people that don't know, is from a a video game. Know, okay. That's fine. <laughs> it's I'm I'm the video game nerd here. I'll take that on. Uh, Legend of Zelda. It's one of the one Is of my one favorite where you games. Can ride the horse and jump jumps because that was uh-huh, the only uh-huh. time I played it. Yeah. <laughs> my brother used to be like, "Okay, I need to ride the horse now," and I'd be like, "Yay!" And I would take my turn and ride the horse across the country, and then I'd give it back to him. <laughs> oh my god! The worst yeah. parts of that game were when you had to ride the horse and shoot things, and it was the <laughs> hardest <laughs> part. I hated it. <laughs> oh, the difference the between us. Anyway, that's a whole rabbit trail to say I did associate that name with something, but I it's something that I really like, so I didn't mind the association. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the the Buckleys, like it's it's so subjective, right? Buckleys, I didn't, I do know that association. I know what Buckleys mm-hmm. is as a cough syrup, but I didn't click. It didn't click in my head to make that connection while I was See, reading. See, and it, it probably so. won't. Like it's it's that whole thing where everything yeah. is different. Like yeah. for me, I was like, oh my god, Buckley's tough. <laughs> <laughs> for you, you were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So this is a really good lesson in um, 
just the value of like taking feedback with a grain of salt and being mm-hmm. being really aware of of what you're taking as opinion and maybe it's a good opinion and yeah you want to take it into account and change something because of an opinion that someone had of your work but sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's just a subjective opinion and yeah. you don't have to take it to heart and you don't have to make any changes like one of my early drafts of book one of the nymph keeper i had one person who really didn't like my main character's name and um i didn't care so i just left it as is and no one else ever commented on it so you know um it is what it is people are funny we're all funny that way that reminds me very much of the me being a man hater apparently And I was like, no one who's read this has given me any feedback about that. So I was like, I'm just going to take that as opinion. <laughs> yeah, opinion. <laughs> Although yeah. now everyone in my family calls me man-hater. So it's so a good story like, at the very least. <laughs> yeah, I got a good story. And I got another nickname out of it. Thanks, family. Um, I mean, <laughs> as someone who reads most of your work, I can attest to the fact that you have some very lovely male characters that yeah. all readers will love and enjoy. So I don't think it's accurate, but it is a fun nickname. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting back to the piece at hand I'll wrap up my comments because I was mostly just echoing what you had said um, but yeah loving the action love the energy love the characters the immediate bond between the sisters is very clear and then that paragraph with the information at the very end there it's a great paragraph I just think agreeing with Maria it could be it could come in a little bit later um, I think I had one other comment that I wanted to make And that was, I didn't notice it as much as I was reading today, but when I read it and was making my notes for this earlier, I'm kind of questioning whether we're starting the story in the right place, or if we are in the Mm. right place, maybe we're not getting quite deep enough into Althea's head to really sink into the moment, because I felt like I didn't have enough of a connection with her. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm watching things happen to her, but it's like I'm at a distance, like I'm pretty far away and just maybe a bird's eye view, or just watching her do and say these things. Um rather than feeling them happen to her in real time and feeling the blast yeah. and feeling the glass like hit her as she's as she's diving away from the window or um feeling the warmth of Cassandra's skin or the or like the the slickness of her blood or you yeah. know how how graphic do you want to be that's up to you but um because I didn't have enough sensory detail, enough emotional detail from Althea in the moment, I think this led me to feeling pretty indifferent to her by the time we reached the backstory paragraph. And that's why the backstory mm-hmm. didn't quite hit as much, because it's like, well, I mean, I don't I don't really care about her yet. I don't know enough about yeah. her to care, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe she's just kind of a cold, or not cold, I don't think cold's the right word. Like a very focused character, like yeah. she's focusing on what's happening. Focusing on what's moment. happening and is really good yeah. at, at being calm under intense pressure, which can be, mm-hmm. it can come across as cold. Those characters can be really hard to write because yeah. um, they're dissociating from everything else so that they can focus on the moment, but it ends up feeling like they don't have feelings. When they do, they're just they're just choosing when to feel them in, a, in a, probably a wise way. So um, yeah. maybe give some thought and some revision on those issues mm-hmm. there. Um but like I said, this this piece kind of carries itself on on energy alone. It's just yeah. intense and it's fun. It's too. got it's yeah. Fun. I'm it's like, what so are they going to do next? Yeah, it's like this. Who's going to get kicked in the teeth? Next? <laughs> I want more roundhouse <laughs> kicks. Yeah, no, yeah. This badass sister tribe taking out armed militia. I'm all for it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's the best place to stop. That in summary, we love the action, we love the energy, mm-hmm. and are really curious about the magic, and because that was like. I don't think yeah, we even touched on that yet. Healing magic is sick. That's always yeah. awesome. Um, 
And then the Buckley sisters, like how does, how are they actual sisters? How does that all work? I'd really like to know about that. Um, and I think, yeah, just adding that depth of character to feel connected enough to relate to them and get invested early on mm-hmm. will make this really shine and just really hit home. Um, and that that badass feminist vibe, um, that is spot on. Yeah. So <laughs> you can't Jason go wrong vibes there. on that first page, <laughs> uh-huh. okay? And that is a great one to chase. Uh-huh. <laughs> gimme, gimme. <laughs> All right. So like Maria said at at the beginning, way at the beginning of this episode, (laughs) we are here to talk about point of view, Uh, POV for short, which we discovered doesn't actually make it any shorter to say. It just makes it shorter to write. It's still three syllables. I hate abbreviations. But um, yes. Anyways, Elise is here to talk to you about POV. She's going to go over the different types of POV. Why is she talking in third person? Does that make you uncomfortable? It makes me uncomfortable, which is why I can't do it for more than two sentences. Um, I'm done with that now. But uh, point of view. Talking in third person gets rolled real fast. The same can be said about different points of view in writing, depending on which one you choose, why you choose it, and how you use it. Um, It's something that I think writers tend to overlook, or maybe it's kind of the last thing they think they need to think about before they start writing something. Like, I don't think about POV before I start writing a story. You'll get like 50 pages in and then you're like, oh, I wish I, w- I wonder if I should have thought about that before. So we're gonna talk about that so that doesn't happen. Um, it's pretty important to pick the right POV and you might not know which one to pick until you're into the story and realize you want a deeper connection with this character or less of a connection here and you want some distance so you can describe this thing better. Um, so there's all sorts of things that go into that decision. And I'm just going to go over the the, um, the main types of point of view um, so that we have an overview before we get into the actual weeds. So first up is first person. How did you guess? That's maybe a little obvious. Me, myself, and I. Um, you see a lot of this in young adult fiction, um, but also in memoirs and autobiographies. That seems pretty self-explanatory. Um, you'll see it a lot in middle grade. Uh, and in some thrillers, especially psychological thrillers, when you get you want to get really deep into the twisted mind that you're writing um, to experience that main character's inner thought life at a deeper level. Um, I've seen a lot of first person in YA fantasy lately, and also where they have multiple main characters, which is an interesting thing that um, <laughs> apparently Maria hates just as much as I do. Awesome. <laughs> um, but... Um, Okay, so I will dive into the weeds on that one, even though it's a little bit of a tangent. The reason why I find first person annoying when you have more than one main character that you want to follow is because it's unnecessarily confusing. And it's not like it's not meant for that kind of storytelling. There are other POVs you can choose to tell a story in the same way and get the same effects. Why it's why is it got to be first person? I have to remember the chapter heading and which character I'm reading from whenever I start a new chapter. And if there's like I recently read a book that had two, I think it was two female protagonists and two male protagonists, obviously love interest stuff going on there. And sometimes I'd be halfway through the chapter and someone would start kissing somebody else. And that's when I realized which character I was reading because they wouldn't be kissing the other person. It was really confusing. Oh my 
like I just That's kept getting lost person yeah. like that because it's too and then I'm like the other thing I, I find maybe not with I'm sure it can be done well I'm just gonna throw that I'm sure it can be done <laughs> yes. well yes the thing that I notice uh, when it's first person but multiple characters is they all start to sound the same yeah like there's not enough of a difference in the voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's that's actually my biggest pet peeve with it. And we definitely went on a little tangent there. We did. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that more later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the bottom line is first person POV is when you're writing from me, myself, and I. Um, I find that unnecessarily confusing when you have multiple characters that you want to get really deep into. Um, and if I want to tell a story with that many characters, I go for third person, which we'll talk about later. Uh, going in order, first, second second person, you, them, um, you will not see much of this used in fiction. Uh, It's not a very common choice of POV. I think it's pretty, like, for obvious reasons, it's confusing to write, and it's, I think, can be confusing to read if it's not done well. But if you want a taste of second person in fantasy fiction, um, and a taste of it done extraordinarily well, actually. The fifth season by N.K. Jemison uses second person. Every time I think about it, it blows my mind. Like, I can't get over how amazingly well that book is written. Um, that may have more to do with the twists and the characters, but I just, it was such an interesting thing to read because you don't read it very often. So if you're looking to experience second person in fiction, the fifth season by N.K. Jemison, that's the one book I've read where it's like, oh, no, this works. This can work if you're willing to put in the work to do it. Um, so that's that's a nice study in craft. I've never done it myself. I've thought about it. And I think every writer thinks about it when they're first starting out to be like, I want to set myself apart. I want to get into literary fiction and I'll do it in second person because won't that be unique? And oh, wow, I'm so smart. And then they get over <laughs> themselves and realize, no, that'd be a lot of work. I don't want to do that. So um but some people pull it off, and I think Jemison did. Um, and last but not least, uh, third-person point of view. Um, this is my favorite. This is Maria's favorite as well, I think. He, she, they, them, it. This POV, um, I don't know, it's a happy place to be. I think a lot of fantasy is written in in this perspective, and it, it allows for some distance from the character so that you, you have the space to more easily describe your surroundings, your world building, because you're not stuck in their head seeing everything exactly through their eyes. You have a little bit more freedom, um, but you can still experience that rich inner world in your in your characters, um, and we'll get into some ways to do that. Um, so some people say you can't get as close to the character as you do with first person, and there's a case to be made for that, but I find that it allows me enough closeness most of the time. Um, and for me personally, it doesn't get as tiresome as quickly as first person. Uh, but of course, that depends on how you use it. And there's two main characters that Maria is going to go over with third person storytelling, omniscient and limited. And we're going to talk about the differences between those. So in third person omniscient, the writer knows everything. The narrator can be in any of the characters heads at any time. Their thoughts and emotions are available to the narrator. They can do whatever they want with that. Mm-hmm. Um, not a huge fan of this point of view, unless it's done really well, uh, mostly because I feel like you can't get as close to the characters as you can in third person limited, which is what I write in. And that's my favorite to read as well. Yeah. 
So in that type of point of view, um, the writer combines, kind of combines first and third in a way. The writer is mm-hmm. telling the story from a certain character's point of view, but uses like he, she, them instead of I. And uh, I've noticed that this is the most popular point of view in fantasy and romance tends to slip between the two characters, but uses this point of view. So you get the closeness and everything that you want in a romance as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I, yeah, I particularly like it in fantasy because I feel like you can get a lot of really nice world building in there. Um, but I'm going to get, I'm, I'm about to jump into my tangent about why I don't like first person <laughs> in fantasy. So I'm going to stop talking now, but that is, that is the difference. So. Yes. So you have a lot of different options and choices. I think that sums up the last mm-hmm. five to 10 minutes very well. Um, <laughs> and why did we have to make this complicated for everyone? Please don't hate us. Uh, we didn't do it. It's the English language. I'm going to stop with the excuses now. Um, honestly, I think, um, knowing what's right for your story if you think about it too hard beforehand, you overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Just start. Pick one that you're comfortable with reading, comfortable with yeah. writing, or one that you want to explore. Maybe you haven't ever done a whole lot of first person and you just want to see how it feels. Just start. You can always change it later. I know that sounds mm-hmm. like a lot of work, which is why I don't usually change it halfway through. Um, but if you're willing to give it a shot, you might find that that, um, that benefits or hinders you, depending on what you pick. Um, so like Maria was saying, for me personally, I've always been most comfortable in third person limited. Um, I've dabbled in first person when I, especially when I'm experimenting with more of a YA um, emotional narrative, um, but I still always fall back to third because I like to describe things in pretty words and I find it harder to do that when I'm stuck in first person because um, you can get so caught up in I did this and I saw this and I felt this and I was thinking about this thing and this person and like you get more caught up in their day-to-day life than Mm -hmm. their surroundings. I think it's easier to fall into that. Um, I've, I've never really liked reading omniscient third person. I like limited. I like, you know, bounce, like sticking with one character or bouncing to one or two, but omniscient, I, I don't know. I stay away from that because I find it too detached. I feel like you're playing God. Um, and you just don't get into people's heads enough. Like it's just not close enough. Um, and I don't know if I've really read very many in that style. I think it's an older style that doesn't come up as much. So, um, I don't have any recommendations for, for someone that does that really well. Um, and then I've just, I've never touched writing in second person because, (laughs) (laughs) um, obvious reasons. I don't know. It feels too impersonal, but, um, I don't, yeah, obviously it can be done well or or Jemison wouldn't have that out there, but she she did a really good job. So yeah. my my dislike for second person boils down to I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> and if you're like, you did this, I'm like, I would never. <laughs> that is garbage. <laughs> I would never. So that's why I don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. Too much of a control freak to enjoy that view. <laughs> But uh, yeah, like I think I think some most writers have a preference and and a lot of us will end up writing in the same point of view always, uh, which is like me. (laughs) I write in third person limited and I would have a humongous meltdown if I had to write in any other type. (laughs) I don't know if I could do it. Um, You know, if you're torn between two options, you're not really sure what you'll like better. You don't have a preference yet. um, I would kind of. I would consider what you like to read, first of all, mm-hmm. and then I would write your your first page in the different point of views that you're considering mm-hmm. and then see what comes easy to you, first of all, because that's going to 
you want it to come more easily and uh, you know, how it reads, like some stories just wouldn't read well in first person. Right. And so that's something to consider too, when you're writing your, your story. Um, and yeah, and, and just touching on what Elise said, I find a lot of first person stories read like young, which is why I think it's popular in young adult. And, and as when I was a young adult and reading a lot of young adult, I, I liked that point of view. That was yeah. actually how I used to write my stories when I was like a teen. That was the default. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure it can be done really well in adult fiction too. Uh, but I can't really even think of an example right now because I have blank brain sometimes when we're on the podcast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's um, A Court of Thorns and Roses in, all in first person, right? Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. Okay. I think. That'd be the I one. could be lying. Uh, don't take my You're word for it. Now I can't remember. I'm going <laughs> to have to run to my that. bookshelf and check. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's going to bug me. I oh, can't um, remember. We're uh, going to have to check. But yep. yeah, there's, you know, there's upsides and downsides mm-hmm. to both. But I find like what you like to read is usually what you end up liking to write. Yeah, that's a decent yeah. benchmark for that. Yeah, so that's that's some of the reasons why and why not. I think we got some of those mixed in uh, equal portions there. But we wanted to get into the the pitfalls of each one, if you will. Um, things that are maybe not so appealing, and they all have them. So even mm-hmm. though we have our favorites, we're going to try and do this without bias. <laughs> um, that's impossible. But yeah, like we've both been most comfortable in third person limited. So um, just be aware of that when we're talking here. Um, that said, we know it's not perfect. I'm not going to tear it down right away. I'll start with the one that I find it easiest to talk bad about. <laughs> um, third person omniscient, which I alluded to earlier. You see it more in older style POVs, I think, and older narratives, especially like myths and legends and different different things like that, because because it does have that, that godlike quality to it, that distance. It can be more effective depending on, on your angle, um, but I think it can be really difficult to use it effectively especially with today's audience. I think it's harder to get into the nitty gritty of the action and make it really um, engaging. And then it's it's really hard to get close to your characters that way. Like there's too much distance. And I think, I mean, in the genres that we read, I should be fair. I think people want more of a deeper connection to the characters mm-hmm. and omniscient style POV doesn't really give you that. So that's something to think about if you're considering that POV. I think humor humorous books can use omniscient pretty effectively because mm-hmm. they start like taking pot shots at all of the characters and it could be really funny. So I've seen it used <laughs> that way. Like I don't think I don't think Princess Bride is written that way. I haven't actually read the book. Don't tell anyone. <gasps> um I know I need to and it's been on my TBR forever. But um books like that where just the narrator play, the narrator plays more of a role, those might be okay for omniscient. I just find for the average narrative it doesn't sit quite right. Third person limited, it means you have to be more careful about the information that you reveal and how and when. So it can be really good for getting into someone's head and describing different things, but you have to be really careful about not tripping into the omniscient side of things. You can't, um, so I'll give an example to try and make this simpler. Um, If you're writing from the perspective of main character one, who we will call Maria for simplicity's sake, Maria got Elise a dog. She thought Elise would love this dog and she found a really cute one at the SPCA and she's all excited. She's really excited to give Elise this dog. But what she didn't know was that Elise is allergic to dogs. 
Uh, I'm going to stop things there. <laughs> um, this is obviously a fictitious scenario, although I am allergic to dogs. So um, kudos to that for being somewhat realistic. It's pretty accurate, though. I mean, I right? would go to the SPCA right? with a dog. This sounds, this sounds like us. <laughs> um, but the, the problem is that if, you, if that's your scenario, if that's how you've written it, you've broken POV. Sometimes it's not as blatantly obvious as this, but in this case, it's in the line what Maria didn't know was that Elise is allergic to dogs. In third-person limited POV, you cannot have that information there because Maria doesn't know it. Uh, that's the whole point of the point of that. That's the whole point mm -hmm. of that point of view. Um, it's limited to what Maria knows. And as soon as you insert a little line like that, that little did she know or what she hadn't been told already, um, you're breaking POV, you're breaking the the deep character experience and you're going to pull readers out and it's just, um, you're breaking the rules. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how else to say that in a way that sounds, Don't be a you know. rule breaker for POV. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit. And that's not that's not how that that point of view is supposed to work. So just keep an eye out for that. Yes, yeah, you have to be really careful about the information, knowing what information is in the character's head. That you can tell the reader no problem. Um, but if you're going to be jumping in between characters, like you're writing from Maria's character, Maria's buying this dog, and then you want the writer, the reader to know that Elise is allergic, but Maria doesn't know that yet, well, then you need a scene break or a chapter break, and then you start writing from Elise's perspective. And then if you're going to jump back to Maria, you have to do the same thing. Um, yeah, it's got a little more structure about it and um, a little more, I don't know, you have to be a little more dedicated to the one character that you're really trying to describe. But this one, it's also easier, I find, to get lost in descriptions and to forget to add emotional detail. I'm harping on myself for this one because that's Me my too. most, <laughs> yep, my most common critique is I don't, I don't really know how this character's feeling right now. Like all these things are happening, and it's really interesting. But like, do they love it? Do they hate it? Like, like it could go either way. And uh, that's not, that's not really a deep and immersive reading experience. So, um, be careful about that as well because this perspective does, it does, it adds a bit of distance. So you have to pay close attention to whether you're giving enough detail for the characters to really come alive for each reader. Mm -hmm. So the downsides of first person is that you're pretty, you're limited to that one person's mm -hmm. point of view, which yeah, There's it's limiting about that. Yep. It is, it mm -hmm. is what it is. Yeah. And so you're telling the story and you're viewing the whole world from that one character's point of view. And I find it most difficult to read in fantasy because um, writers kind of go for the question and answer approach to get some world building in or history of the world. Hmm. And I feel like it messes with the flow and it can lead to a lot of info dumping because, yeah. and I, and I always struggle with that because like, how often do you walk up to someone and you're like, what happened in the war of 18 blah, blah, blah. And then they give you <laughs> like a three paragraph in depth description of that, you know, battle. And you're uh. like, to me, I'm like, that's, it takes away from some of the reality of like relationships. with Yeah, that's not how conversations get, happen. Like, yeah, they're trying to like get the point across. But yeah, so that's the one thing I don't, I don't like that about first person. I think that it can be done well, and it is done well very often. But that is something that, yeah, that can be a bit of a downside. And yeah, like I said before, I think it reads a little on the young side. I think it's a great point of view for middle grade and young adult, especially because, I mean, when you're at that age, reading that age group that's a great point of view to read because you're like yeah you feel like really invested and up close and personal with the characters um second person is my least favorite point of view because like I said I don't like being told <laughs> what to do 
I don't like how it feels. <laughs> I don't like authority. <laughs> um, so yeah, the only time I've ever read anything really in second person is like some fan fictions will do that. Um, especially when it's like a, um, they'll do like a, um, on archive of our own, there's often like a lot of like self inserts. And so people oh, like will, choose like, your own adventure type thing. Yeah. It's a little bit like, like put yourself in the story as if you were the love interest oh, kind of thing. Oh, it's dear. usually how I see it done. Oh my. Um, so it becomes, it's written in second person. And I'm like, even if this sounds interesting, I can't read this. I don't do second person very well. So yeah, I, I think it works pretty well in short stories maybe, but mm. not so much in novels. But yeah, like Elise has the one example that I kind of want to check out now and see if I can stand to read it. Well, that, that <laughs> one's nice because the it's not the whole book. It's one character oh. that's told from second person and then the rest is, I believe, third person. I think, oh, if I'm okay. remembering it right. That's... But yeah, it's not all in second person. So that's, that's maybe... That's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. Okay, no, that works. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the other... Um... The thing, I, the other thing I don't like about second person is that sometimes it comes across as like you're being talked at mm-hmm. instead of experiencing the story. And like we read to escape, we read to experience other people's lives, yeah. the rich in our lives, you know. So yeah. it's a bit hard when you feel like you're being talked at. It feels too like textbook for me. So sure. those are what I consider the downsides first and second person. Mm-hmm. And um, on that note, it's lovely because we're shifting into upsides. And the first one I have is second person um i'm gonna just keep rolling the ball of jemison's book because yeah. i'm just seriously so impressed by it yeah so like i said not the whole thing but one mm-hmm. of the characters is written in second person and i think the benefit of this at least in this book for me was um it essentially forced me to empathize deeply with that character because mm-hmm. it was like you did this um and this character she's a mother of two children and um I know nothing about motherhood. Um, that is an experience I have had. I don't know what it is to raise children or to be attached to them in the way that a mother is. Um, mm. But the way that Jemson wrote this character and because it was in second person, I just, it was endlessly compelling. Like I couldn't help but relate to her and feel what she was feeling to some incredible depth that I don't think I've felt in a lot of different narratives that use third person or first person like it was it was very uniquely done it just kind of I guess it it makes you it puts you in their shoes that's literally what Mm -hmm. it does because you're reading it all as though you are the one doing it so you are putting yourselves in the character's shoes to do the things um and just it shoves you into their brain it makes you constantly think about like okay this is what this character is doing how would I actually react if this was me um how would I feel in this moment um and it's a fascinating experience in empathy. So that's maybe a, you know, that's when you could consider using second person. Uh, and if you don't want to do it yourself, check out that book. Because uh, <laughs> I, I think I will do, yes. Yeah. Uh, if you can do it well, I will worship you forever and talk about you endlessly like I'm doing with this book right now. So I will move on from it now. <laughs> We're talking about upside. So for third person, I think I've already harped on this, but... Um, Third person limited get, lets you get close to the characters, but also allows you that space to describe and world build and all those things. Um, so I feel like it's the perfect balance of all the POVs. That's my bias coming through. But first person is about character, like you're you're in the moment, you're in the head. Third person omniscient is about the world and all the characters and everything around you. Second person is about character with a twist, maybe. Um, but third person limited is giving you a little bit of everything when it's done well. I think that's maybe the best way to summarize it. And that's what makes it 
so versatile and so useful in so many genres. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Third person limited is uh, is my shit. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, upsides for first person, I think the main one is that the reader can feel very connected to the main character. Uh, you get to really dive in deep to their thoughts and their feelings and their choices and their reactions. And that's very immersive. And, and that's definitely the best part about it um, to me. And you can really put yourself in their, in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, and it makes you feel like you're experiencing the adventure. So it's also like a very natural way of storytelling. It's like if you're telling your friends a story about something that happened to you, you're like, I did this, I did that. It, it comes naturally to mm-hmm. write from that point of view, which is, I think it's a good one to start with. If you're just getting into writing, it's probably a natural jumping off point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like we said, third person limited is our favorite. <laughs> That's our happy place. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> And I think that's all we have to say because we're cutting ourselves off because we could talk forever about everything, apparently. (laughs) Um, But just to wrap up here, we wanted to say a really big thank you to the writers who submitted their first pages again this month. Um, In case it wasn't clear what we were doing at the beginning of the episode, uh, we've decided to make these author submissions a regular part of the Tea Grannies podcast. Um, We had so much ridiculous amounts of fun. reading them and talking about them when we did um, our first pages episode back in December where we just took I think we had eight different submissions and we just critiqued and talked about and read through all of them I got to pretend to be an audio narrator which is always really fun for me Um, and it's just yeah it provoked a lot of really cool interesting conversations I think people got a lot out of the episode and so we've decided to keep it going yeah so every episode will have two submissions and so if you're interested in having your first page read and critiqued on the show you can email us your first page uh, formatted in 12 point font to the grannies at gmail.com either as an attached word document or pasted into the body of the email uh, as much as I love hearing from you guys on Instagram and Twitter do not DM us your first page <laughs> I love you but I'm not gonna like copy and paste it move it to a word doc blah 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 uh, <laughs> so we'll critique your first page on one of our episodes and you'll receive the written notes in a google doc after the episode airs And that's the tea on point of view. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at the Tea Grannies Podcast or on Twitter at the Tea Grannies. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you again in two weeks for a chat about world building basics. Happy writing.